and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a community for Australian women in small business to connect and support each other. In this podcast, we bring you the real stories of women in small business. We discuss their unique journey to small business success. We dig deeper into their story, the challenges they've faced and the support that has played a vital role along the way. And they share with us their business expertise and knowledge so that you can do the same. It's time to chat candidly about creating and building a business on your own terms. Hi and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. Today we're on the couch with the lovely Alana Kazakovic. Please say that I've said that correctly. You have. Yay! <laughs> Absolutely. Which everyone usually has to ask. Yeah, which I did before we started recording. <laughs> And Alada is a kinesiologist and yoga teacher. Yeah. But her journey has been a different one. So um, we're going to sort of just jump right in, Alana. And can you share with us how you were maybe as a child and how that's, you know, sort of how that's impacting you now? Yeah. So um, as a child, I had severe asthma from about two and a half, three years old. And my parents did everything. They tried um, all the medications that the doctors give you. And then they went and did some natural stuff. So I did like the print print, the pick, yeah, the pricking, pricking of the yeah. allergy testing. And, you know, I was a five-year-old who had to have a buckwheat birthday cake, which back then they oh, did gosh. literally taste like cardboard. Yeah. Not as fancy <laughs> as the um, intolerant things now. now. Yep. Yeah. So I couldn't have eggs because uh, they decided to take me off an elimination, you know, so eggs and dairy and wheat. And so going to school, it was like this, you know, mum would have to buy a naturopathic, go to the health food store and get this yeah. rye bread. All this, and this the health food store wasn't as readily available as they are now, I presume? Uh, no, but we luckily had one in our town or the next town. Yeah. So it wasn't too bad. So and you grew up in Gippsland? Yeah, yeah. so down in uh, more Tarragon yeah. area. And, um, yeah, there was a health food store which had some breads that I could eat, but they still... I remember swapping sandwiches quite often like not full sandwiches um, because I was like I don't want to eat this this bread yeah. it's awful yeah um yeah so that was probably really hard you know to tell a five-year-old that of course she at can't, that age or six-year-old that she can't enjoy can't birthday eat, parties you can't like, eat what the other kids are eating yeah yeah, yeah 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 but then I ended up finding you know I had the common cold all the time I'd get bronchitis every year and tonsillitis maybe two or three times a year and so growing up, how was primary school and high school for you? So I was um, grade probably, probably was after I got severe glandular fever in grade two. Gosh, yeah. And, and glandular fever, that's like the one that's your, your body's run down. And yeah, they call it kissing disease yeah. usually. And you're in grade two. But, yeah. Um, so my grandmother would look after me while my mum was at work. Yeah. But I couldn't go to work. I couldn't go to school for probably, I don't know, if, a month and a half. Yeah, I and then my friends said that. Yeah, and then I, I'd go for half a day, and um, but I remember probably either later that year or coming into grade three, being quite bullied at school. Yeah. Um, I lived next door to the most one of the most popular guys at school, and so um, because my dad was not necessarily. Um, dirty but he was a bit of a hoarder yeah and we didn't have a garage door yeah we had just a car ford there would be you know stuff 
on the side. Piled up on the side. Yeah, and so yeah. I would get... I Which would. we all have in our garages, but the doors are down, so no it's one can see them. <laughs> see them. Yeah. Um, and because his, pe- his parents were Greek and his mother was like one of those clean freaks. <laughs> I've got one of those. <laughs> and so, you know, we weren't necessarily like that. Yeah. And his parents were really rich and we weren't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got bullied for, for, for that kind yeah. of, yeah. And how do you think that kind of impacted you, you know, as a child, but kind of coming into, well, growing up, you know, then going into high school, how that kind of impacted you then? It's probably more just affected my self-esteem yeah. and my self-confidence. And we now know that emotions can turn into, emotions health. are, the, are yeah. the core almost of health. You yeah. know, if your emotional well-being is not well, you do get sick more often yeah. and then you know, you're more likely to feel run down or attacked by life, um, which is probably what was happening for me at that time. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as I moved into year seven, because I went to a high school where most of the same kids went to, you know, they just say the same things to the new kids that so you meet and it just through. carries on and you're yeah. on the same bus with all the same kids yeah. in the same, because we all live in the same town. area. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until about year nine that I met a group of girls um, that, things started to change. And then I think because once you get to about year 10, everyone matures and, you know, everything, everyone sort of by 11, 12 are quite at least respectful yeah. to each other. Yeah. That things started to change. So what sort of career aspirations did you have So at that time? Yeah, well, I mean, back in grade four, I remember uh, we had this one teacher, her name was Mrs. Wade, and she was really strict, quite actually probably more tomboy, but yeah. she was very stern and very strict. And I was like, I want to be a teacher. <laughs> you want to be stern and strict? <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I think, because she had a funny side, but she could also, everyone was scared of her. Like yeah. she had that control. No. And it was probably because no one was scared of her and I was being bullied that it yeah. was like, I want to feel That's like why you like that. that. You liked because she was in control of the whole situation. Yeah. She, yeah. she didn't, and it didn't seem, no one seemed to, it didn't affect her. Yeah, so that was probably my childhood, like, I'm going to be a teacher, which a lot of kids have. Yeah. Um, and then into high school, I really I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, from 16, I was working three or four jobs. Um, from 16, three yeah. or four jobs. Yeah, so I did wow. KFC. I was working at a chiropractor's and in a little clothing store. And then in year 11, I also worked at Justine's and JJ's. Gosh. Um, I had one. I had one job. <laughs> uh, f- what was it? Fifteen and what was it? I think fifteen and no, fourteen and nine months. Yeah, was that the like legal that. age yeah, to start yeah. working? I had one job, and I thought that was yeah. enough. But you had four. Well, I started with KFC, and then um, like I was just doing the chiropractors on a Friday night, and then I was just doing the clothing store on a Saturday morning, and then it just all evolved. Eventually, it was just KFC, and then. JJ's. Was um, that your? Was that your parents kind of saying, "Well, you got time to do another job"? Or was that you wanting to? It was. To? My parents didn't have a lot of money for us to, you know, when you're 14 to like, you go to the movies or. Yeah. I mean, they did, but I wanted I wanted that independence, and so as soon as I could um, get a job, I got a job. So I had the money and the independence to buy the clothes that I wanted yeah. and to do the things that I wanted with my friends without having to be a, not a burden, but. Having yeah. to ask for it, yeah. Uh, having to ask for yeah. it. Um, and I think I was very independent and very responsible for a young age. It sounds like it, yes. Yeah, so I was <laughs> making lunches, you know, when I was, you know, grade six and that continued. I pretty much made all my lunches in um, high school 
and um, even with my brothers a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, so he, how many siblings have you? Two younger brothers. Okay. So you're the oldest. Yeah, yeah, I'm the oldest. So I was also ma- looking, making sure that, make sure you grab your blazer. And, yeah. You know, like, because sometimes mum would go to work before she'd left before we'd get on yeah. the bus. So, so I you was took that material. A little bit. Role. Yeah. Yeah, and then at home, we'd get home from uh, school and I'd be hungry, so I'd just start dinner. Yeah. Because I didn't want to wait till mum got home. Can, I have, can you talk to my kids? Do you want to hang around a bit later, see my kids after school? I think I've, I've always been that organised type of... Yeah. Yeah, that's just, my, you first, it's just yeah. my personality. But, yeah, going into high school, I really had no idea. And it was really hard for me to pick my year 11 and 12 subjects because I really still had no idea what I wanted to do. So I ended up doing, like, office administration cert three. Because that was one avenue I could do it admin if I wanted to. I did VC dance. Yeah. I did business maths. I did accounting. Um, I started off, I think, with chemistry, but I dropped it. But I did kind of a broader, which yeah. means my inter school wasn't all that high. Yeah. But it was more broadering to like, well, here's some options. Yes. Yeah. You um, could go with. I could go this, this or that. Yeah. Wherever I really wanted to go, because I was still dancing so from age five to probably age 19 I did ballet quite heavily as well so at Stedford's every school holidays and dancing three or four times a week and privates around, and solos around and troops those, and all I don't those. know how you did all that around those jobs <laughs> I fitted it in I probably dropped a little bit um with the jobs um, but even so I was still dancing yeah. so every night of the week you would have had something on yeah yep yeah. yeah so you did accounting you did some dance subjects some science subjects. What did you decide to do? So I ended up doing accounting. Yeah. And why did you choose? Why can I speak? Why did you choose accounting? Because I loved numbers yeah. and I loved saving. So I had four oh, jobs. Of course, yes. <laughs> this all I makes sense. Saving money. <laughs> and from the time I started, I would always save a lot of my money because I knew if I wanted a car when I was eighteen, I would have to fund it. Yep. So that was probably the driving force around me pushing myself so hard. Um, in those sort of late teens, which I was always sick with something if I look back (laughs) now, but it's because I wasn't good at sitting still and looking after myself. And so I was with, um, was lawyering power, one of the power stations down there. And it was interesting. So my dad and my brother at one stage, one worked at Hazelwood, one worked at your lawn and I worked at (laughs) So the whole family was employed by... (laughs) Um, And I enjoyed my degree. So I was lucky enough. Also that when I got into, I think it was my fourth year of uni, so I'd been studying part-time for four years and working full-time, um, they offered me a scholarship for 12 months. So for the first semester, I went back to uni completely full-time. That would have been strange for you, focusing on one thing as opposed to having lots of things going on in your life. Yeah, I ended up doing five subjects instead of four. Of course you did. <laughs> There had to be something, and that was it. <laughs> push, push, push. Um, but the reason was because then in the second semester, I only did three um, subjects, but I worked two days a week. Yep. So it was a way of – because the first semester, I still got paid full-time. And then the second semester, I still got paid, but I was working. And I ended up doing a project for them, which was all of our accounts, so accounts payable, were still being paid by cheque. <laughs> Okay. Yes. <laughs> and so I had the project of making it all by EFT, yeah. <laughs> bank transfer. So that was my project was while a, I was, which is huge. Yeah. 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 So it was, um, it was, it was really empowering, and I loved 
I've loved working on projects, but I did a very similar pattern everywhere I was in life. So whether it was with my family or my dancing, my work, I always put too much on my plate. So when I went back to work, yeah, I was doing my job, but then I was also doing a project. Yeah. You know, and I was also in the gym committee. You know, I was... Took on extra things. I just always took on too many things. So you wouldn't be the person that went home after work and just sat on the couch and relaxed. You always had to have something on. Yeah. So how many years were you in accounting for? So I started 2002, or was it January? January 2003, and I hit rock bottom and left May 2014, and I didn't go back. So when you say hit rock bottom, what does that mean? So if we backtrack, if I keep going with the story, so... um, that year I was at uni full-time and then I was probably in Gippsland, just purely Gippsland for another two years. And then the, we had a Melbourne office and I caught off in the wood, um, helped Treasury, the Treasury Department out when someone was on leave because there was only two people. And I liked it because I loved the city. All my friends in Gippsland were married and had kids and I was like, got to get it. Like, yeah. I just wanted to get out yeah, of yeah, the country. Out of the country. And so I loved going to the city. And so then there was a transition where I would actually work part-time Melbourne, part-time city and do some of my work and then help track the treasury when they wanted. So I would work, um, I think Friday and Monday in Melbourne and then drive home. And work the other days. <laughs> and stay with mum. Yeah. And then drive back to the city and eventually yeah. I ended up getting an apartment. Um, and that's how it worked for two years after that. Okay. But I loved that lifestyle and I eventually met some great friends and that's when I started doing Latin dancing in the city but again you know when I eventually the year after I think I moved to Melbourne full-time and that's when life was really like exciting and yeah. new. I was making new friends I was enjoying the city life yeah. yeah but I was dancing social dancing for um Latin dancing starts about 10 o'clock at night oh my gosh it yeah. goes anywhere from two to three in the morning yeah and I would do that um because I met Um, made a really close friend in Melbourne. We would do that every weekend, Friday and Saturday night, sometimes Sunday night, and I'd go home about midnight. And then I would get up, work some really long hours, because AGL in this, all this moving to Melbourne and transition of here and there a couple of days, a couple of times a week, AGL brought us out. And so everything really changed at work and the dynamics and whether we're going to keep our jobs, they're going to make us redundant. And there was, so there was a lot of stress all of that going that. on too. Yeah. Um, but once I moved to the city, I pretty much had a full-time gig with ATL. Yeah. But I had a new boss who was from America who was very like, go, 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 yeah. push, push, push. Expected a lot. Yeah. Which for two, it was just him and I. Yeah, two people. <laughs> yeah, It's probably a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. But I still love the challenge and I actually still love accounting. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, and I love doing the bookkeeping for yeah. my business. It's just... <laughs> and you're probably the first person, apart from a bookkeeper, you're the first person. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah. You know, I, everything in check. And it's the organizer in yeah. me that loves the balance and, you know... Getting everything just Making sure it's reconciled spot. and... But that's yeah. my life generally. Like, yeah. I like everything to be in order and... Um, that's kind of how it goes. So yeah, I've consistently pushed the boundary and pushed yourself pushed and pushed, yeah. you know, like, cause that 18 months that I was with AGL in the city, you know, I'd be in the, I was always first in the office because I was used to a seven thirty start. Yeah. So I was like, 
I got in and got a lot of work done when everyone would rock up nine. So I'd probably get in between 7.30 and 8. But then you'd sometimes be there till 6. Yeah. And because... Was that kind of your own... A little bit because yeah. I was still striving to please. Yeah. Which Come, you had done throughout your whole... I, yeah, yeah, no boundaries. Yeah. People pleasing. Yeah. Saying yes when I really should have been saying no. Going into work when I was sick or working from home on my laptop yeah. when I was sick. Because you wanted everyone to be happy and have whatever they needed. Yeah. Like, not worried about what you needed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, 2012, 13 Christmas period, I went to South America with the, a close, the close friend that I made here and we went, um, dancing and partying and it was amazing. Yeah. Went to carnival and amazing experience, <clears throat> but I hadn't really taken a proper holiday in the whole time I'd worked with. Loyang or AGL as it was then I'd taken a week here or two weeks there but I had banked so much annual leave that I could have probably gone away for seven months yeah um but from when I got back from that trip I got food poisoning I mean I got bitten by thousands of mosquitoes but from that trip I got back and I really didn't feel quite myself yeah now, I don't know if it was that or a combination of also, um, I now know it's taken me a while, but since that trip, I'm really sensitive to vaccinations. Not that I have anything against them, but they make, they don't like me. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a combination of, cause you have to have yellow fever and everything. Every, there's a lot. Yeah. It's not just one. And then I went overseas and basically partied for three months and didn't really sit still. And then I got back and went straight back into a crazy busy workload. So you didn't actually, even though you had a holiday, you didn't actually, it wasn't a relaxing, restful holiday. And I remember I got the flu just before we went and then I got home and I think I continuously got, was just unwell. Yeah. And were you getting sicker and sicker? I was getting tighter. Yeah. It was just, I was like, why can't I, and when I was dancing, I was like, why don't I have the stamina that I I used Used to to have? have? Yeah. Um, and it just progress progressively got worse and worse. It was because I wasn't putting myself first and I had probably put most of my emotional baggage for my entire life in a box yeah. up until that point. And then I had a year and a half off and then I started studying kinesiology in the March of 2014. So what was the, what was the turning point in that? You were just looking for something else to study because you had spare time? (laughs) I had always wanted to... I remember when I was with my previous partner, um, his mum was quite sick with cancer and so I was always researching things to help her. Alternatives. Alternative um, things. I mean, we'd always... I'd always had supplements and stuff and it was always part of my... what um, my treatment plan was. But I was like... It was the first time I'd probably thought of... I could maybe I could do something else. Like I love what I did, but the first inclination the of first, something else might be like. Well, I love what I do. Maybe I do give a lot or too much energy to yeah. that. But is it my passion? I was good at it. Yeah, probably more the people part than the actual accounting. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was um, the first time I th- thought. Do I do naturopathy or do I do herbal medicine? I didn't even know what kinesiology was at that stage. 
Um, so kinesiology became part of my journey before I got sick. So I had a sore um, right car, uh, ankle, and so I had cortisone injections because I've been to the doctor. And I um, had been to physios and chiros and anyone, and they hadn't been able to figure out what was going on. And then I went and saw in the city a applied kinesiologist chiropractor, um, which some of you probably know. Some chiropractors do um, kinesiology, okay. the testing and stuff. I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So there's holistic kinesiology, which is kind of more what I've studied, and then there's applied. A lot of the principles are very similar because the muscle testing is very similar mm-hmm. um, and the same. But theirs is more from the physical body, whereas okay. we look at holistically everything yeah. in, in your life. And so that's how it started. And he started doing chirogestins, but the applied kinesiology and the muscle testing and giving me certain herbs and nutrients and things. Um, and it started to, and you were and it healed. started to heal it. Yeah. Um, and then I also saw he had a holistic kinesiologist in his practice, so I was seeing her and him. Yeah, and that's when. Yeah, and that's, that's when, when I was clicked. like, "This is really interesting. interesting how this works. Like, you touch a point of the body and you do a muscle test and then you rub it and then it holds and it's strong and and you feel better when you leave." I was like, "This is mind blowing. Yeah. How does this work?" Yeah. And so, yeah, I decided. Um, I had had a year or a year and a half off studying. Yeah. You had a rest? I had a rest. (laughs) (laughs) And then I started studying, uh, it was a set four in kinesiology. Yeah. Um, And it was interesting. It was almost like the universe was like, you can't have a life being this Alana and then study this. It was so far removed, you feel? Yeah. In... In some aspects, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was more, you can't start, because kinesiology is like peeling onions back. So you start to get to the deep roots of the core issues of why you are who you are or why you have that pain um, or why you haven't slept for two months, which is what ended up having. So was it burnout? Do you feel like you just burned out? So it was... Originally, I was diagnosed as adrenal fatigue, mm-hmm. um, and we had all the saliva tests and everything that went with confirmed that. I think I was just emotionally and physically completely drained. But then I wasn't getting well, and so we, I was seeing a kinesiologist who also did a lot with Lyme's disease, and she said, I recommend you getting tested. The test was in America, so I had to have blood tests, and I have to be spun a certain way, and they get sent to America. So that yeah. happened about nine months after my original diagnosis and that came back positive as well so then I went through a whole lot of probably for about 12 months or even maybe a bit longer and I still follow a little bit of it because I may have it forever I won't say that I'm cured from my disease and I still get tired quite easily but I know my limits now and I can manage you recognize them and actually listen to them yeah if we backtrack to what happened when I was at, when in 2014, so it was kind of probably from the probably prior even to when I started studying in the March. Um, couldn't get out of bed. I was sleeping a lot. I was mind you, we just bought a house. So the stress <laughs> of the mortgage then with the well, job. Well, it wasn't really that. It was October, November, September, October, November. 
we were looking at houses every single weekend, yeah. but we were still dancing and we, we were still maintaining just our life. Go, we were go, just go. adding yeah. in Instead of subtracting things to make space for it, you're just adding it on. And then we went to Bali in that January and... Dancing and crazy in Bali or relaxing in Bali. relaxing in Bali. <laughs> oh, that's a first. But I knew I was exhausted, but I left feeling no different. And I got back to work and I broke out in a massive hives rush. Yeah. You know yeah. what that's like. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? And, you know, I had antihistamines or whatever. And then... Um, it just got worse and worse. And so were you working full time? Yeah, working yeah. full time. And I was only studying like one or two weekends a month or something. So, it wasn't. so for you it was not much compared to what you were used to? Yeah, it was not much at all. And I got to the April and I was probably too scared to say to my boss, I think I'm not. Something's going on. Yeah. People-pleasing Alana sort of said... He was pushing me to be more like a manager, which I had no problem with. But then he was also pushing me to do a project, which I probably should have said to him, I'm not that great with writing code, but I didn't. Yeah. Why don't you get someone else to do it? And so I would muddle myself all the way through it rather than with getting... the stress of, what am I doing here? I've got to learn all this stuff. With all the other stuff that I was doing in my job. So yeah. I had a side project along with what I already had going on and a few other things. Yeah. It was just... it was pretty crazy and you were studying and I was time. studying yeah and we just bought a new house so like that January February every weekend we were going and buying furniture yeah. and all the things all the did. fun stuff yeah. it's supposed to be fun stuff but it was exhausting yeah. for me and then I got to May or probably mid April and I'd stopped I wasn't sleeping just you know that wired but tired completely yeah. wired but tired but it was every single night and I just kept pushing so you're getting progressively worse um, and I got to May and I would start crying at my desk for no reason and I would hide it. So yeah. like nobody knew and I had no idea what was going on. I yeah. think I know I knew I was tired and I was just putting it down to that, but I didn't realize that there was probably a lot of underlying things that I couldn't recognize yeah. at the time. And then two days before or three days before my 30th birthday, I, it all came crashing down. Yeah. My boss was like, just take some time out. Um, and my time out went to two weeks to never going back. <laughs> How interesting. Yep. Because, and I think my intention was always to go back, but I think what ended up happening in the end was there was the fear that if I went back, it would start again. Yeah, the pattern would repeat. Yeah. And so while I probably was sabotaging it a little bit myself. Um, now, looking back, I probably easily, with the right protocol, could have gone back into that environment. Um, but at the time, my partner had bought a cafe, so we had that stress as well, yeah. as well as me getting well, because he bought the cafe about four months into my... Um, time I think it was September 2014, which I didn't want him to buy. Um, but it was probably one of the best things in terms of being a small business owner that we ever did together. It was hard. It was challenging, but now business seems like a bruise. Yeah. (laughs) As in. In comparison to that time. And it doesn't mean that I'm making, you know, 
thousands and thousands of dollars, but it set me up for like, oh my God, you can do this. Yeah. Because I had that fear before leaving AGL of starting a business. So it was the perfect stepping stone in a way. Almost. Yeah. Even though I had to muddle through the stress and all of that while I was getting well, it, it, yeah, it was. And I guess as well, because it was a shared stress. It wasn't you, like before you said, you're sort of on your own. Yeah dealing with stuff that you didn't know what was going on yeah. whereas at least this way you had someone else there yeah with you yeah and I mean even though Noah was like that was it's his it was more his business you know I was still the accountant I did all the accounting yeah he did the payroll which I was kind of happy with because he was mainly in the cafe but I did you know some of the ordering most of the slices and stuff I did the ordering and you know probably training most of the staff because while I love my partner he's not great with training stuff. <laughs> he's, he's, he's direct about and soft yeah. <laughs> um and yeah it probably we're probably glue because of that even though we have had our ups and downs which we all do should go through if we can get through an illness and we can get through you know the cafe and even now we've dived into getting through, you know, our dynamic now before we have kids. If we can get through all of that. Yeah. <laughs> then you'd be rock solid. <laughs> For a little while. Yeah. Um, but I would say the main thing that I have had to learn through my whole healing journey was to put myself first and to put, to really know my limits and my boundaries with what. I'm capable of doing. I mean, I'm capable of doing everything. Yeah. And I would do it, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. And it's taken me, it took me 30, 32 years, because I was 35 to, last week, to realize that. Yeah. That you, you can't have, you can't do it all at once. No. Especially when you have a compromised, you know, or a more of a sensitive type of person who, you know, has to look after themselves. Like that is not, it's a baseline for me. I can't, it's not even a negotiable that self-care is essential. And so I now am a kinesiologist to help women, but I also work with children and I now also see quite a lot of men helping them to put their needs first and to understand perhaps why they're feeling how they're feeling because while mine yes I you could say I had autoimmune or Lyme's disease or whatever it is again it's just an immune system thing the underlying cause of most of mine was not putting myself first perhaps not feeling like I was enough which is why I was in yeah or saying yes to everything exactly um and also just Allowing me to say no mm. when I need to say Giving no. yourself permission to do that. Yeah. Which a lot of women find hard to yeah. do, especially when you're a mother and you have a family. Yeah. And you run a business or you have a job. Um, There's all these responsibilities sitting on your shoulders and you, just, you feel like you're going, yes, 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 yes. But then you're just completely worn out. Yeah. And because society hasn't necessarily kept up with... Um, like as in women have more rights now and we we're expected almost to do double what we our parents traditionally probably did self-care is essential now it's not even negotiable which is why i run most of my yoga classes and retreats around rest and restore because that's what we always say we don't have time for yeah and it's amazing 
that even if I give these women and men two hours to just switch off, how much that shifts their energy or their emotion or their mindset in two hours or three hours. It's not even a long time. And then if they continually do that, because everything is about maintenance, you know, it's great to come and see kinesiologists, you know, once a year. That's great. But if you want the lasting results or working through what's going on, consistency, consistency. it doesn't have to be every month, but it's a consistency of, you know, every second month or every third and month. And I guess it's, it's training yourself to recognize when you, your body and when you need it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people see a chiropractor every month or a physio because that's part of, you know, when they exercise. Yeah. Well, dealing with your emotions and having downtime for the nervous system to switch off properly and to allow you, your parasympathetic nervous system to kick in and relax, that needs... Probably more so than the yeah, that's right. The, the yeah. other, but we've never really been taught that. Yeah, or shown that's exactly right. That and because there's been such a jump in generations, we still have the expectations of what we saw our parents do and our mothers do, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. yeah, and our Western world isn't. You know, when we're increasing our workloads, not decreasing. Yeah. While technology helps. Sometimes it's part of the problem. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can never switch off. <laughs> you can yeah. still never switch off. So uh, that's probably more my passion now is allowing you know men and women that ability to put their needs first. Yeah. And even if it's they can do it daily where it's only five minutes or ten minutes with the yoga pose or where they get to sit in meditation or they have a cuppa outside and they just breathe. It, it doesn't have to be a lot, yeah. but it has to be consistent. Yeah. It's yeah. probably my, yeah. So, you know, now you do the kinesiology, you do the yoga. Is this something that you want to further explore even more? Or, you know, what sort of things are you thinking about for, you, for the future? For the future. So, yeah, so I, I obviously see clients one-on-one, my kinesiology clients. And I also do the food DNA yeah. hair testing because... That made a massive difference with me knowing what foods are compatible with my body. So that's always there as well. And then the yoga is more two or three hour type workshops. Um, I run a few classes. I run a class monthly now in Gippsland and a retreat. So you still can't help yourself now. No, but <laughs> so I go to Gippsland for four days a month and see yeah. clients and I run a yoga class or a retreat. A retreat's once a quarter and the classes is every other month. But my family's there. Yeah. And for me, it's the excuse of if I didn't have that, I would probably only go down once or twice a year. So it's a nice way to kind of check in on everybody. See my mum, see my school friends. And I now work where I see, I I do two days, I have a day and a half off and I have two days. And I had to learn that because I was burning out again. So I'm continually, and this is what we do, we teach what we need to practice most. So I consistently having to learn uh, to make sure that I look after myself first. But in terms of moving forward, I'm actually running a rest and restore retreat out near Warburton in October. Beautiful. Um, One to service my in both Melbourne and Gippsland clients, but it's really for two days to switch off. It's in an off the grid house. Oh, awesome! Yeah, there is Wi-Fi, but it's there's a little yoga studio on the property, but it's you're in nature. Fully immersed. Fully immersed. Beautiful. Um, 
I am also looking at doing an online type of program as well in with the mix of yoga, kinesiology, meditation. So bringing food, it all together. Bringing it all together. Yeah. And whether it's a eight-week program or whatever it might, I haven't fleshed it out. Yeah. But that's something so that I can reach more than just my one, one-on-ones. Yeah. Because as a practitioner, you can only see so many yeah. one-on-ones. Um, and I have a lot of people like, oh, can you add a day here? And it's like, yeah. but you don't I've add, had to yeah. had say no. You've had to set those boundaries. Yeah, yeah because these are my hours. Yeah. And that, so the people pleasing is like, I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> my little inner child goes, yes. come on. And I'm like, <laughs> you can do it. Breathe. Yeah. No, I can't. Sometimes I will. Like I'm going to the Philippines for three weeks, for literally three weeks to do nothing probably the first holidays that I've had to do, to do that. that yeah and so I've fit in a couple in the next week where I wouldn't have usually. a couple of extras yeah, yeah in, in different yeah but generally I've had to be like these are my hours yes and that's hard that and that's been challenging yeah so I think that's challenging for every woman yeah. in a different way absolutely in their yeah. own way yeah exactly depending on you know their belief systems and how they were brought up that's exactly right yeah, yeah. beautiful yeah. Thank you so You're much welcome. for your time today, Alana. It's been enlightening hearing all about your journey. I've known you obviously for a while, yeah, but I yeah. didn't know all the intricacies yeah, so, of all of that. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be kind of like a tell but that's kind of my journey started from being sick as a yeah. three-year-old and it's just evolved from there. From there. Yeah. Thank you so much, You're Alana. Welcome. We'll chat Thank to you, you soon. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today on the couch. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the She Will Shine podcast and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to find out more about the She Will Shine community for Australian women in small business, head to shewillshine.com.au. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the handle shewillshine.com.au. And don't forget, if you like this podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes. Join us next time for the She Will Shine podcast.